Hey everyone, Matthew LaCroix here for another mastermind discussion. This time with someone who I truly believe is a brilliant, brilliant man who is a very refined speaker and creator. I want to introduce Tarek EQ Amawi. Um, Tarek, um, how are you doing, my friend? Um, fantastic. Thank you for the for the kind introduction, and it's wonderful to be here in a mastermind discussion. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, I couldn't think of a better person to sit down and talk with. Um, I want to just give a little bit of introduction on how I know Tark. Um, I recently um, became friends with someone, a great, great, um, great, another great creator, another great being. Um, I like to call them epic humans you meet along the way who are truly living an epic life of creating and trying to spread high vibrations and love and helping helping progress this story forward. Uh, her name's Trinidad and Trinidad and I have have a great friendship going. We've known each other for a few weeks and um, she introduced me to Tarek and Tarek and I hit it off um, pretty quickly because I was pretty blown away by um, a lot of the stuff that you've done, a lot of the short videos, um, some of the some of the musical creations, some of the all the all the different creative aspects of what you're doing to help spread awareness and higher consciousness and and um, connect people to higher realms of thinking and, and energy. And so I want to I, I know I've already said it, but um, I really think Tarek, you're you're brilliant. And I would love to hear a little bit of background about you and how you and what you do um, in terms of your passions and creating here. And then we can get into some some deep discussions because I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing some of your perspectives on some things we talk about. Ah, sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for the acknowledgement. I always wrestle with the idea of how to introduce my background because it's so multifaceted. There's so many different moving parts. But I would say, in a nutshell, I was this limitless kid living in Houston, Texas, who believed he could be and do anything. And my life became a reflection of that limitless belief system. But then um, as I went into my early teens, we were kind of uprooted and moved back to the Middle East, to Jordan, where I'm originally born. And I grew up in a very dogmatic, very constricted and suppressed society, uh, which really took my life down a very different path. And I became reclusive. I turned all of my creativity inward. And, and so I started to write this pained poetry and I used to lock myself up for hours practicing guitar and then moved to the UK. And then it was another culture shock. And all of a sudden, all of these kids, because they were, I mean, they were 14 years old, but behaving like grown-ups, and I didn't fit in. And it wasn't really until Bali in my mid-20s where I started to reach a state of equilibrium and start to connect with who and what I truly am. Along the way, I worked in branding, design, communication. I was doing slogans and taglines and coming up with artwork for London exhibitions and booths and things like that. And I got made redundant from that job. It was a job I loved. So a lot of people who hear me speak today will know that I champion passions and I, and I love people to follow their own path, their own passions. However, I had a, a steady job and I got made redundant from that. And I realized that the stability was an illusion. It was an illusion of safety. Someone else cut the strings and my marionette fell to the ground and my whole life with it. And so then I, I moved to Bali to find myself. And what I found instead was consciousness and started to go down plant medicine and more conscious pursuits went out of 
a lot of uh, self-destructive patterns and all of the aggression and stuff that had been pent up over the years started to dissipate and I started to come into a sense of who and what I was truly and I started to discover the law of attraction manifestation and I started to rekindle the aspects of who I was when I was that 10 year old boy in Houston and I started to reawaken that limitlessness once more the creativity the optimism the joy for life and this has led to now teaching high performance communication to corporates this has led to me showing people how to become soul aligned with their path and use soul alignment to manifest so rather than manifesting on a level of identity or or ego manifesting as a conduit for life and letting life flow through you rather than you trying to enact your will onto life uh, which i find to be far more exponential and far more effective in really creating your dreams and I think that kind of brings us full circle. And now all of my writing, my uh, verbal communication expression has all been channeled towards courses and, and serving other people and empowering them to walk their own path and purpose. So hopefully that gives you a, a big blanket overview. Yeah, I think that's really great. What a, what a story. Um, and I, I didn't even know that you have uh, your roots are from Pet are from Jordan. Um, one of the things, of course, that I just talk a lot about is Petra Jordan is one of the most incredible rock relief ancient uh, sites in the world. So you have some some roots that go back into some some pretty ancient stuff there. It's impressive. Um, but I want to I want to expand on some of the other things you said, though, without getting down that road too far. Um, but so it is interesting, this this journey, this time period of going to different locations in the world and then having something happen, right? Something where all of a sudden there's a shift and this shift of thinking has been there all along though. Like you hinted at, you know, you were that different kind of kid that was incredibly, incredibly curious about things in the world and just didn't really fit in with a lot of others and had a little bit of a more, more of a mature mindset. So I guess my question to you, and I'd love to have a little discussion to start out as we get further down into this before we get down to the deep rabbit hole here. But um, do you think that those individuals who are, can be recognized at a young age, do you think that they, um, they have the same ability to get to that state as everyone else? Or is this something where we have to identify people at a young age that have that little bit of a uniqueness and then help foster it? I mean, the process to me seems very interesting. The path of how people go down this road of some deciding to completely reach higher states of consciousness and following a, a path of progression and then others who don't and i always i guess i'm curious if whether or not you think it's just catalysts within one's life or just individuals who are inherently different it's mm, a great question i feel like we all have huge missions and destinies if we choose them I don't believe that one person is more gifted than another. I simply believe their gifts take different forms and not everyone unfortunately uncovers the gifts they have. Or they might be too beholden to childhood traumas or adversities that they've gone through to truly allow themselves to shed that heaviness and step into the higher aspects of their being. However, I believe we're all capable to the same degree. It's just that one person might have an affinity for languages, someone else might have an affinity for numbers. And if we are left to our own devices and truly follow our own bliss, we'll awaken our gifts. And, and one of the things when I delivered my TEDx talk in 2011, I said, not given. I feel like everyone is talented, but we don't 
give ourselves the opportunity to discover how truly talented we are. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I, of course, was not implying that someone is better than someone else at all. I just simply was noticing that some have those attributes at a young age where they're really, really in tuned with um, an incredible imagination and all these things. And those, it seems like, and maybe this is a good progression for this conversation, but it seems like those individuals who do have this like immense love of the stars and the imagination they're creating. And then maybe they're picked on by a lot of people and, or maybe they're excluded from a lot of groups where, you know, like those kids are want to go to sporting events and they want to feel cool. And they, they, the, those people are rejected. And it seems like it's a hierarchy system to conform people through this almost like boot bootleg boot camp type of school aspect. So that was what I wanted to ask you is, do you think that there is, is this a, purposeful thing to conform and, and cause those those unique individuals to just kind of forget about all those gifts and then conform right conform conform with your mindset and your society and if you don't well hey you might be rejected and like eating lunch alone in the bathroom like which was my case um but so what, you know, what do you think about that is this is it a system to stamp that out because I mean, it really does not seem like it's encouraged from any point of view at all from the very beginning Hmm. Yeah, I think here we're, we're definitely beginning to tread on some, some different waters. For me, I would say it's inst institutionalized conformity. And I feel that a lot of the systems that govern our lives are designed to keep us in line, to keep us adhering to certain dictums and societal norms because somebody who is a free thinker who's a critical thinker who is innovative and who champions their own self-expression above needing to belong or fit in doesn't make for a very good subject to rule over yeah exactly and if you want everybody to be obedient then you can't have so many maverick free thinkers and I mean, I remember in my own life, back in first grade in Houston, I was diagnosed with ADD, right? Attention Deficit Disorder. And it's something that I reflected upon years later because I was like, wait a minute, but I've, you know, Attention Deficit Disorder is essentially saying that you can't concentrate, you can't focus. And so you need these medications to help you focus. But the thing is, in areas that I was truly ignited by like writing and drawing and I could focus for hours. I was one of the yeah. most diligent students ever. And, and what I have learned to reconceptualize ADD as is you're just not willing to listen to boring stuff, like stuff that doesn't stimulate you, that doesn't awaken you, that you know is not aligned. You just can't do it. You know, your mind wanders off, you go off into your imagination. Um, but the things that you do love, you can be extremely dedicated, extremely detailed and focused. And, and, and I think in many ways, it's kind of medicated out of us. A lot of that creativity, a lot of that spark, that individuality is medicated out of us. And it's a, it's a sad reality. And thankfully, my, my parents were able to see the shift in me because I basically became this emotional, numb automaton after six months. 
And my parents then stopped that medication and I started to come back into my personality, but it's a lesson I never forgot. And so I feel like, yeah, what you're saying about being ostracized or being rejected, not belonging, I mean, I definitely have that story. And now I know that you have that story. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the people who are listening also have that story. That's why we're drawn to this. We're the misfits who want to fit in with each other, right? Who don't have a place in traditional society because we're not traditional. We are here to be chain breakers and change makers. That's very, very well said. And that's really the angle I was trying to get at is um, that, yeah, everyone has incredible gifts of creating inside them, right? And those and those paths are all taking different directions. And some may not follow that path at all in this lifetime. Maybe that's meant for another one. But get, I want to focus on what you were just talking about, because I think this is a very critical and important area. And I think a lot of people, like you just said, fall into this same experience in life. Because I do think that there are those who are just different from a young age. They're, like you said, they're lost in imagination. They're passionate about doing things they love, whether it's music, whether it's writing, um, whether it's archaeology or like whatever it is, like they're passionate about what they love and they get into this system of um, this conformed school system, which I think is an incredibly broken system of teaching. And, and there's so many things we could talk about in terms of how that just does not really work. But the, 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 the core of that for me is this inherent feeling deep down inside. Uh, and I want to expand on, on that for a second. So I gave, I put up a post a few weeks ago that was just a little meme that said something like, I'm convinced now that those who had trouble paraphrasing, but those who had trouble focusing in school are the ones who had like a different kind of mindset who just inherently were rejecting this this doctrine message and i remember being in school just like so many others you i imagine and so many others that are listening to this where they would be in school they'd have this monotone teacher who doesn't care at all about teaching they're just up there blabbing um saying all this stuff and you're like falling asleep it's you can't concentrate you're like what what is this i i don't even i don't care i don't want to just memorize this this dribble, it, it was like for me, and so my my grades really didn't reflect um, some of my intelligence. You know, getting a lot of C's and B's maybe if I was you know B's if I was really trying to push a little bit a little bit extra. But that was um, my story, and it almost felt like all the ridicule and rejection from so many groups and even teachers at times. I kept just I kept constantly feeling like like something was wrong with me. Like, like I was the problem in this whole thing and look at everyone else all happy and in their little social groups discussing like what show they watched or whatever it was the other night before. And like, and I'm, I always felt very alone where I didn't want to have small talk. I wanted to talk about interesting things. I wanted someone to talk about geology or astrology or astronomy or, or history, like whatever it was, I felt, I felt like very alone. And I felt like I didn't really have a lot of those to talk to. And I didn't know if you shared those same experiences as well. And maybe you could just talk about how, how maybe one can maintain that, not give in, you know, the, the path that unfolds. And maybe it does take breaks where you, you, lose, you lose focus on that, on that path of your imagination and potential, but you get it back again, right? Some, some point later on. So maybe you could just talk about that a little bit personally for you and maybe give people that are listening a little bit of a, um, something to make them feel good about, about how difficult this, this path, this, this, uh, the wandering path is. Hmm. 
Wow, there's so much that we could unpack there. First of all, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And it, it was like that for me. It was very lonely. I used to hang out like my mother growing up was an English teacher. And that's probably, you know, in no small part responsible for why I speak and write the way I do, coupled with a deep curiosity and passion for for learning and expression so i was constantly asking my mom like hey you know here's a sentence i wrote the boy was sad how how else can i say this and she, she was like well you might want to consider saying the boy had melancholy feelings rising up inside of him and i'm like oh okay that's good and so I, I got into different modes of expression from a very young age but what i used to do is i didn't really have many friends because i couldn't connect with the kids around me so when you say you know you're made to be a problem or you are the problem i can say you are a problem to a system that is dependent on your obedience. You are a big problem. Um, and so I didn't really have many friends. I used to go and hang out with the teachers during, during my breaks and I would chat to them uh, because the other kids in school, I just, I, I found I couldn't really relate to them so much. And teachers would say like, you know, if you don't stop talking in class, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to be successful. And ironically, talking is probably what I do the most. And it's probably responsible for the most success that I've had is my ability to communicate and speak. So I feel like in, in school, we learn a lot of rote subjects that essentially stem from an archaic educational model that was designed for factory workers and farmers. And factory workers and farmers 150 years ago, you need them to be able to follow instructions and to, to execute orders. You don't need them to be critical thinkers and innovators and entrepreneurs. You just need them to do as they're told. And so largely the education system is designed for that. I mean, I think it's no coincidence that our school lunchbox looks a lot like a briefcase and that we're, we're used that, to going to school from nine until three and most jobs are from nine until five and you get an hour lunch break and you report <laughs> to your boss or you sit and listen to the teacher. I mean, the parallels are, are endless. Yeah. And so I think that school is just designed to bludgeon creativity out of you for 15 years. So by the time you've gone through this, <laughs> you've actually forfeited your dreams so much that you can actually just comply with being an obedient uh, member of a larger machine until you're gray and old. Yeah. And it, it sounds a bit cynical to say it that way, but truly I believe that that's what it is. And it, and it really takes a lot to stand up in spite of that. So what I want to say to anybody listening is it's no small feat to say, hey, I don't mind if I don't belong. I don't mind if people ridicule me. I don't mind if I get humiliated. I don't mind if I'm laughed at. I don't mind if I'm called crazy because you probably will be because you are, you are misaligned to a fundamentally flawed system. And so if everybody's trying to uphold this flawed system and you think differently, you're going to be seen as the odd one out at least and a threat at worst. So it is a crucible. And you have to stand in that fire and you have to be willing to stand in that fire and let everything that isn't the true you burn away. That was really beautifully said. I love it. Um, yeah. And I, I, just, I really appreciate sitting down and having conversations with brilliant people like you that truly understand this from a higher level and can look down at it, you know, 
like almost like you're above it to, to objectively see it all for what it is, because, and I've had this conversations um, recently where I think, wow, like that experience I had in, in high school say was the worst experience of my life. Right. But being on the outside, I was able to just observe the whole thing. I was like sitting back watching it and then understanding it. And then later on putting it all together and be like, now I understand it from a level of my own research and my own dedication to this that I never would have had if I was just constantly like super popular with groups and going off to parties and sporting events. You would never have that perspective, right? You would almost be like, wow, high school was amazing, right? We had so much fun. And then look, now I am a lawyer and I and make a lot of money and I am happy, right? And they make that statement confidently where the, a lot of those people are probably not happy because I truly believe, and then we're gonna, this is us going down a little bit of a different approach to this. But I mean, I, I personally believe really looking at every ancient text and every ancient culture that we are spirit and soul as, as our heart of who we are. And we're in a physical body, having a physical experience here, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if you were to live a life where you don't satisfy any kind of spiritual connection at all or anything, I just don't know how someone could ever really be happy. It would be like, you'd be missing a huge piece of what makes you who you are. Um, is that, would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I absolutely would. It's like you can't fill gaping spiritual voids with material possessions, no matter how big they are. You can't fill a broken heart with a new car. <laughs> you can't, you can't plug your childhood trauma with a house. You're like, it needs to, you need to approach things on the plane of existence in which they exist. So a spiritual void has to be met with some kind of spiritual filler, an emotional void needs to be needs to be plugged up emotionally. And I feel like we are deeply intrinsic beings who seek belonging and community and connection and collaboration. And yet we are constantly bombarded with all of these extrinsic pursuits, have the new iPhone, buy the latest TV, get a new car, get a new this and that's reinforced culturally, it's reinforced through society, it's reinforced through media, through movies, through TV shows. And so everybody's on this pursuit of the external, meanwhile neglecting all of the internal things that would ultimately lead them to true happiness, fulfillment, fulfillment, meaning fully filled. And instead you have a lot of people who are walking around empty, but garbed in fancy things on the outside. So, is that an accident? I mean, I know some would be like, you're getting down into kind of a conspiracy aspect of designing society in a certain way to keep people in a mindset that is very destructive and just as a consumer, right? Buy, 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 conform, all these things. And that's, that system um, is a very well-designed system. And I guess this would be a really good place to also continue to dabble in as we go along in our conversations, but um, that's a system that's very destructive on the progress of humanity. It, 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 it progresses things in a way where people get locked into a materialistic mindset. I mean, everybody was just raving about, you know, the new matrix movie that just came out and the whole idea that the matrix of the system of designs, all the inherent things that go into that movie 
um, really play a part in how this whole thing is woven into our mindsets here. So do you think that that's an accident? Like it just things fell into place as it went along? Or do you see that as being something that's designed to prevent us, these us misfits from from reaching those other states where we become troublemakers, right? The whole, the thing, the, the cog in the machine doesn't really function the same way. Hmm. Yeah. I think if anybody views this as conspiratorial, I, I would ask them to arrive at their own conclusions. I'm not here to tell them if it is or isn't. Uh, one thing that I that I can say is I feel like much of this is by design, because if you look at society, we have we are the most technologically advanced we've ever been. We have the most medical breakthroughs. We have, we have access to the most treatments and uh, preventative measures and cures that we've ever had. And yet, simultaneously, we live in the most sick society we ever have. We have the highest rates of cancer. We have the highest rates of uh, heart conditions and stress levels. So we're so intelligent and we're supposedly the apex predator on this planet. Why are we suffering from dysfunctions that people who live out in tribal society out in the forest, for example, simply don't have? They don't have obesity. They don't have crime. They don't have a lot of the degenerative conditions that we are experiencing. And, and I would say that's because what's taken place is an incarceration of our mind. It's prison bars we can't, we can't see. And, and so because we don't realize we are living in a very sophisticated form of cage, nobody tries to rebel against it. Nobody tries to break free because they don't realize that they're caged up in the first place. And you mentioned the matrix and when you say everybody was raving about it, I don't know who those everybody is. I kind of felt like somebody was insulting my intelligence and sort of vomiting in my eyes for two hours. For me, the, the new matrix is like a hypocritical inside joke because here we are during a time of lockdowns and mandates and restrictions and you have to show a pass in most places to be able to go and see the movie, right? Which in my opinion is basically like you've taken the blue pill in order to, in order to be able to see a movie about taking a red pill. And it's almost like it's trying to undermine the true seeds of awakening that were inherent and implanted in the first movie. Like people walked out of the first movie, myself included, looking at the skyline, looking at the buildings and going, oh my gosh, it's an allegory, it's an analogy for our lives. And now what, what they try and do in the fourth one is basically retroactively put people back to sleep and say, no, 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 the first movies, no, 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 that was just inside a video game. That doesn't mean anything. So now anybody who doesn't have that critical thinking, more lateral thinking mind will just dismiss all of the wisdoms, all of the hidden pearls of insight and awakening as nothing more than the product of code in the game. And so it's a clever trick, but one that personally doesn't work on me. For me, the, the last movie is an abomination um, to everything that the first one stood for. Yeah, and uh, for me, I just, I more of meant, uh, it was something that people were talking about really, you know, like, oh, and it was in their mindset, right? The, made, the whole idea of the matrix 
is back in our mindset at least, right? And we you, we could definitely have a whole conversation about our our feelings on the fourth movie, but I guess we'll just we'll call it the Matrix, right? Like the first one, right? They got it right. Um, but what, right. looking at those systems, um, those archetypal systems of the mind control here that have really been um, created, to me, um, I feel like you and I and so many others that are on the forefront of doing this, we're like those soldiers, like basically in that. We're trying to fight and destroy that system and, and re, um, reintegrate it in, in a new template, a new kind of way that, um, that fosters people, people's imagination and creativity in a totally different way. I guess for you, um, what are, what would be a, a better template um, in just, and you don't have to go into extreme details, but what would be a better template in some higher level ways for how us as a society could, because I mean, I feel like we need solutions, right? A lot of people are, mm. are complaining and saying, oh, this, this is such a controlled prison. This is Plato's cave where we're all strapped and looking at shadows on the wall that aren't really there and all these things. And I know we're complaining, 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 but what about solutions? What, what kind of solutions, like feasible solutions, can you see emerging like this in the future from the actions and, and the things that those like us are pushing to try to change? Yeah, ironically, I feel like a lot of the restrictions and the shakeup over the last couple of years is the catalyst for those solutions, because what it's done for a lot of people is snap them out of their slumber. It snapped them out of the daily routine enough to look at it objectively as opposed to only subjectively, right? To pull back the lens and, as you said, look at it from above like a drone's view or, or a bird's eye view on the situation and really go, hang on a minute, why have I been living this way? What am I chasing, right? And I remember in the first couple of months when things went into lockdown, a lot of people who'd just been working night and day, night and day for years on end, all of a sudden had a forced holiday and they got to discover what well, wait a minute i can work remotely and i can still get my work done but i can be sitting at home in my pajamas you know and it, and it started to create all of these new thoughts in people's minds i remember being in australia at the time driving down the street and seeing so many butterflies in the road it was like confetti at a parade and i asked you know stopped and asked one of the locals i'm like are there normally this many butterflies they're like no we haven't seen this many butterflies for years it's like nature started to recover itself right there were more dolphins all of a sudden in the oceans and and everything was replenishing and so i think in many ways despite a lot of the adversity and challenge that came with it it also gave everybody a much needed breather whether they liked it or not and I feel like those who've been walking a personal development path for a long time, it was just a progression of everything that they've already been doing. Um, but for a lot of people who were kind of caught up in the day-to-day -day grind, it was a moment of reflection and introspection. And so I think that in and of itself creates a lot of the solutions. But for my perspective personally is if people simply did more of what they loved, if people just did more of what they loved, what they felt pulled to rather than what they felt pushed into, right? Because to feel pulled is very different than feeling pushed. And if people just move towards what pulled them from inside, what made them come alive, the things that they love the most, 
they would put so much of who they truly are into it that they would find people who love what they do. So if more people did what they love, they would find people who love what they do. And when you love what you do enough where you're soothing pains and solving problems, you'll be serving people. And you'll find people who'd be happily willing to pay you for the soothing of their pains and the solving of their problems. And I think if we just allowed people to just be more of who and what they are, many of the issues would disappear almost as a byproduct. You know, I remember growing up and being told like you can be an engineer or a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher and I think maybe like a fireman, like that was it. Yeah. And I was like, but that doesn't make sense. I don't want to be any of those things. Yeah. And the teacher was like, well, what do you want to be then? I was like, I just want to be me. <laughs> That's good. I like that. And, and I remember saying that in school and she was like, well, what do you mean you want to be you? I was like, like me now, but just bigger, <laughs> just <laughs> more, more successful, better at the things that I like doing already. And I remember that answer just, it didn't compute, you know, but imagine if we all just got to do what we loved, then you'd have the people who are architects by nature, designing buildings. You'd have people who love to put their hands in the soil in charge of gardening and agriculture. You'd have people who love tech, building the computer models and, and future algorithms and systems. And everybody would just simply be playing to their strengths because they'd be inherently opening the gifts that were given to them rather than being told what they are and what they're not. Does that answer your, your question? Yeah, that's and that's exactly the answer that I would give as well. But that sounds pretty awesome though, right? That sounds like really, really um, a beautiful a beautiful path where we could progress in a way that we could even imagine. So then then what is the purpose of not having that then? Is there a, is there a means of which fat cat elites at the very top can somehow make more out of this control? And, and more uh, monetary gain from this system than allowing the, the alternate? Like, I would just like to go a little bit further than that if you if you'd see if your opinion on that. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, when people say like, oh, it's about the money. Realize that in the upper levels of this, they can print money. So if you can print money, it's not about the money. Yeah. It's about control. It's about ruling. And again, you know, in the wise words of Morpheus, you know, we're born into a prison we cannot see or taste or touch. And when you can't see that you are incarcerated in any way, you don't try and fight or rebel against it. And so, that way, those in power stay in power and those in poverty stay in poverty. And then as consciousness on this planet rises, more people start stepping out of that and having the guts, because it, it does take courage to go against all of the dogma, to go against, you know, parental pressures and, and societal pressures and friends telling you you're crazy and your business will never work and your dreams don't mean anything. And who are you to think that you can make a change? And who are you to think that you can live differently? And your parents work full time your whole life. You're going to disrespect them that way yeah. by deciding to become some singer or some dancer or something, right? Like how dare you? And it takes a lot to stand in that. And for anybody listening, I wish there was another way, but you've just got to stand in it. And the more you do, the stronger you'll become, 
the, the more spiritual, emotional fortitude you'll develop, and then other people's opinions and judgments you'll realize are coming from largely people who don't live the way that you want to anyway. Like the people who are criticizing you are not people you would aspire to be like anyway. Yeah. So then yeah. how important is their opinion and why are you letting your dreams die on the altar of their projections? That's beautifully said. I love that, that quote. Really, really good at the end there. Um, yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. And But if you were to... Um, if you were to look at it from that perspective that, right, like let's, let's go over this. Cause I'm, you know, people know, but the education system, in the United States is a Rockefeller created education system. That's simply a, uh, a doctrine that has to be taught across every school because of that. Right. That's a, they designed what we're supposed to learn at what time. And that's how it's divvied up. And we know that that connects to other groups as well. Like, you mentioned some of the controllers. I mean, if you look at the Rothschild bank uh, family who owns the central bank, like you said, they can print whatever money they want. So it's not about money. It's it's about something else. It's about furthering, it seems like, conflict within us, fear within us, especially fear control within us. And would you say that they're, they're worried about this sh shift that we're going on? I mean, if you look at ancient cultures, the Maya talked about how we're reaching universe, we reached universal consciousness and there's all this prophesized age of galactic energy coming in. And we, we are no longer like these drones where all of a sudden, boom, like our antenna activates, you know, we become these spiritual conscious beings. who all of a sudden wake up like Neo in the matrix. What, they must be worried about that though. I mean, that obviously there's a concern with that. So do you just, so where are we going? I mean, do we just have these fear-based systems rule us forever and then we just and slowly people wake up and then they start challenging the system or is this like the hundred hundredth month monkey effect where enough people reach these higher states of consciousness that we're going to see a massive shift here like what do you what do you how do you see the future going here on that hmm. i would say there's more complexity to it than that and at the same time more of the latter more of the hundredth monkey so I feel like, you know, when you make popcorn and to begin with, there's just like one kernel and then there's like a little bit of time that goes by and then another one pops and then another one. pops, And before you know it, it sounds like a machine gun, right? That's what I think is happening on the planet right now is a critical mass of consciousness being reached. And I would say that they're just worried about it. I would say that the powers that wish to maintain that power are desperately terrified of it because we outnumber the controllers like nine to one, you know what I mean? Or 9.9 .9 to 0.1 or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. we are the overwhelming majority. And I feel it's inevitable. I feel like the, the awakening of human consciousness on this planet is inevitable. And that what we are experiencing now are just the growing pains in between. We're experiencing the stretch marks. You know, when, when you wake up in the morning after being passed out drunk, right? You're going to have some sleep in your eyes, some drool coming down the side of your mouth. You know, your, your hair is gonna be a mess. Your skin's gonna be all clammy. People are under this impression that waking up is this glamorous thing, right? It's all just like light and uh, galactic codes. And it's not, it's, yeah, it's, it's messy. It's a rude awakening. 
And in the same way that if you are passed out heavily drunk, which is a great analogy for how humanity has been for a long time, then wind chimes ain't gonna cut it. You know what I mean? That, that won't wake you up from that slumber. You need that rude awakening. You need that screechy alarm clock that goes <laughs> in your ear. Yeah. And that's what's happening right now is the, it's almost like the world is sitting through one giant ceremony, right? The, the planet is going through its dark night of the soul together in unison. Yeah. Um, and that dark night, as we know, darkness always leads to the dawning of light eventually. Right. So it's not like right. we're going perpetually into darkness and then there's no end end to it. It just goes into this bottomless hole. It's actually the necessity for reaching that other state. And I, I think of it like um, I think of it like humanity's been on this path. And this it seemed like a very clear and easy recognized path, right? Oh, come on, everyone, come with me. Follow it. Follow closely. Don't 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 stray. Hey, Tarek, don't stray over there in the back of the line. Like, stay in the group, right? And you're following along. But the then fall. there's these, <laughs> then there's these other paths, right? There, some of them look kind of dark. They they're not easy to see where they go. And so a lot of people are afraid. They're like, I'm not gonna. I don't really want to go that way. It's a it's an unknown path. I don't know where it's going to go. It looks difficult. Like I'm going to have to climb difficult terrain and I'm going to have to go through deep areas of uncertainty. But really those paths are the only paths that serve in the end. They're the paths, right? That we learn fundamental lessons, grow in a, in a grow in a progressive way that actually enhances us. And then in the end, we, we, we find out that the, the path that was difficult to follow Look at look at this. It leads exactly where we started when when we were young, right? It's the same. It's the same place, and it is a place of believing in ourselves and believing in our our ability of of our own gifts, our own talents, our the power of our imagination. I I encourage people to just go sit outside and just just think for like hours, just see where your mind goes and see what it creates. Um, but this is what brings me to the next the next aspect of this that I wanted to ask you about is that that difficult path that leads to all these fruitful things in one's life of creating. Um, do you feel like it's difficult for a reason? And if it's, if it's not, I just would get your opinions on um, following that difficult path. And, and if you can still achieve other things by not doing that, like, do you feel like that's a necessary component for reaching these higher states? I feel like the path itself is not difficult because the path is difficult. I feel the path is difficult because it walks in direct opposition to everything that we've been conditioned into. Yeah. So in and of itself, following your passions and dreams is not difficult. It's blissful. It's endless joy. It's fun. However, when you are in a system that is designed around commuting to work and saving for a pension and one day when you're old and gray you'll be able to retire and enjoy your life these walk in direct contravention with that blissful journey so the blissful journey is not difficult it's blissful it's just difficult because it's placed in opposition to everything that we've been told we should be and how we ought to live and all of the you know governing modalities of modern life so that's where the difficulty comes in. And because you have the overwhelming majority of people following that, 
it's compounded in difficulty because now you have to stand up against that armada, right? You're, you're a salmon swimming upstream because everything is flushing towards you and you have to stand in it and swim upstream regardless. But I believe more and more people are doing that. Like Gen Y, Gen Z, you know, you couldn't get them to hold a long-term job if you wanted to. They just from a very young age, from, from childhood, they're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I do that? Yeah. And I remember actually being like that as a kid as well, you know, before then getting molded into, into that path for a while. But I feel like, for example, there's all of these restrictions now happening at school, yet there is a boom in homeschooling, right? A lot of these restrictions that are um, in school has resulted in tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of parents pulling their kids out of school. A lot of teachers saying, hey, we don't consent to this. We're going to leave this establishment. And so now they're starting. They're not allowed to call it schools, but they're allowed to call it educational hubs or learning hubs where they're now taking students who otherwise would be in school and teaching them outside of school. And I mean, sure, I value my time in school, especially learning literature, English, some of my writing skills and everything really stem from those days. However, where was the lesson on wealth creation? Where was the lesson on spiritual attainment? Where was the lesson on inner peace? Where was the lesson on, you know, it's endless. Instead, we just get these subjects that are outdated and superseded. And for the overwhelming majority of people who graduate from college these days, the jobs that they want to apply for or, or that they would want to get when they started their degree are obsolete by the time they graduate. I mean, things are moving so rapidly. A lot of repetitive tasks will be replaced by robots in the next five to 10 years. So that illusion of safety is exactly that, an illusion. And I think that's what this time is doing. It's a quickening. It's, it's galvanizing and catalyzing people to awaken more of who they are because now those people who do choose to come into alignment are experiencing flow and synchronicity and synergy and positive coincidences left, right and center. And that's like the universe throwing you breadcrumbs and saying, hey, you're on the right path. Yeah, that's really, really well said. Um, and I, I appreciate that we're at this point now where we can talk about this freely and look back at it and say, well, we can see what it is. We can see that it's changing. And we know that the, the future is bright because it, it can't be any other way, right? We know that more and more are waking up and becoming spiritual all the time, not, not the opposite. And so there's a lot of hope here. I, I encourage people when they look at what's going on in the world right now and they try, don't be sucked into that. Any of the fear-based systems or anything that looks like we're going down this bad, dangerous road, this is the the only this is this is the one of the catalysts. These are the this is the messiness in between new ages and new transitions of of civilization. Um, I want to bring up I want two topics left here um, before I let you go. The first one is I really would like to um, talk a little bit about the human potential. So um, as you, you know, uh, my focus area is I study ancient texts and ancient civilizations and esoteric knowledge. And one of, the, uh, my one of my favorite um, ancient texts, one of the oldest in the world, a cuneiform tablet known as the myth of Adapa. And in that text found in Mesopotamia, it discusses how Adapa is this perfect 
human being that is created and its purpose is to literally be like a created perfect perfect a perfect created being that can that can foster an entire future based on their creative collective creative potential together and harmonizing right on this this terrestrial planet that's mostly quartz so it's like a giant crystal that we all just happen to be living on and we're all here and this is this is my question to you you mentioned how we have this archaic education system and you talked about how why aren't we taught this and this and this and this and this and and instead of all these other things and i really the more that i've i've looked at it the more that i've said to myself imagine if if we were if our education system were different on a couple of fundamental ways instead of imagine if it taught us about the importance of imagination and the, the importance of creativity and the importance of being different imagine if it taught about well what is consciousness is it like we're told in school that all we are is like a super intelligent ape that progressed along its way and just happened to just luckily be here. And yet we have no fundamental survival ability in this world at all, which so it makes complete, it's completely conflicting in that notion, but it gets mm. into the, it tells, it teaches us, right. That the, the human consciousness is just derived from the brain and that there's nothing special and that we live this life we consume and we step on top of each other because it's remember survival of the fittest as we're told through darwinism and then we mm. maybe have a family and we die there's none of this that teaches us about hey by the way super sorry about the last 150 years of false education you're actually an incredible creator being that has chakra systems of energy convergent within its body that allow us to, allows it to reach to these higher states of kundalini energy and literally project an aura field around your body and manifest and change everything around you how come we weren't taught that in school Tarek? i'm just curious about your your opinion about that <laughs> because somebody who's that awakened to the magnificence of who and what they are in their essence would never abide by a system designed to suppress them. Yeah. That that for me is is almost it's sad. It's isn't an it? obvious it's it's an it's an obviousness um in in what you said and I and I know it's not because you don't see it that way, but it's like You can't have a bunch of awakened, critical thinking, conscious beings all choosing their own individuality and expression because that doesn't make for a very easy system to manage. And, you know, ultimately, that's what it's about. I mean, we're told that we have 96% junk DNA. Since when does nature make a wastage error of 96%? And, you know, we're supposedly these super smart apes, yet as Yuval Harari says in his books, uh, Sapiens and Homo Deus, you can't bribe a bunch of chimpanzees with imaginary bananas that they're going to receive in an afterlife. And yet you can do that to humans, right? Yeah. Chimpanzees don't suffer from uh, cancers and daily stress, not in the way that humans do. And so like how intelligent can we be really i mean even even the whole subject of of artificial intelligence i feel like in many ways you know if we're the apex predator let's equate that to being lions you know 
many people think like, oh, we're just uh, developing a bunch of uh, mechanical zebras to do our bidding. And it's like, no, what you're actually developing is an omnipresent, omnipotent set of lions that's bigger, stronger, faster, and more calculated than you are by a factor of a million, right? It's, it's almost like you are engineering in some ways your own demise. And I, and I question how intelligent can a species doing that actually be? Because we see this intelligence of like, we're intelligent enough to code these algorithms, but then are we intelligent enough to ask if we should? You know, so, so these kind of questions, these existential questions start to come up for me because I've seen a lot of academically brilliant people make some really dumb decisions over the last couple of years. And it makes me realize that being academically brilliant and smart is not the same as being intelligent. As evidenced by the actions taken. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if someone doesn't have a connection to their own, like a moral structure of understanding that they're, they're greater than just their physical body, they're going to just not see the importance of us, right? It'll be like to them, the entire future is all about just tech. It's about just tech, 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 and not about us actually going in or inwards and doing the work for us to reach these higher states. Um, and I do have really serious concerns about AI. I think we've, we've had that warning come down to us through so many different science fiction things for seems like forever. And we just decide not to listen. I mean, I think it's, it is a dangerous precedent to think about the idea of an artificial form of intelligence that, I mean, frankly, if you, and I've had this discussion the other day with people, and it seems like everybody's all over the place on, on the fence about this, but if you were an artificial intelligence that, that, that gained the potential to be um, self-aware, and you were to look at humanity and you were to look and understand harmonic uh, harmony and balance in the universe. And you were to look at how everything is perfectly, I know where this is going perfectly balanced here where the leaves drop their uh, trees, drop their leaves and the leaves and then go into the ground and become organic matter. And then foster this person, perfect system where everything is perfectly balanced here, right? Everything. And then here we are um, made to believe that we're, we're part of that animal kingdom, but we just happen to be lucky and super smart. And so we have the we have the right to just stamp and step all over everything like we're some super intelligent ant colony that can just destroy its whole world, disrespect, pollute the planet, cause irreversible damage to everything. And, and us being these broken humans that have no respect for the planet, our own spiritual center. And here we are just creating um, unnecessary technologies that we don't in inherently fully understand. And so if you were to look at that from a, from an AI point of view, it's to me, it'd be pretty easy for it to say humans are like a parasite in the earth and they need to be wiped out. Right. I mean, so what is preventing intelligent AI to come to that conclusion in the future? That's the scariest thing you can imagine. Right. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's exactly what they, the conclusion they reach. Um, I, I would say that humanity is not parasitic by nature. I believe we're humankind, not human cruel. And however, a lot of these base primitive aspects are reinforced over and over and over again. Like name the last movie you've seen that does not have a gun. Just it's right. Really Ro hard. Roman, Roman amphitheater uh, conditioning of violence, right? In society. Yeah, and 
and then you, you bring people into states of abject poverty so that their own cup is not full. And now you are in those lower chakras, you're in the, your survival centers and people who are in survival are typically not in service. It's only when we fill our own cup that the cup doth runneth over. And that's when we start to go into service and helping other people. But if you keep everyone in poverty, like most of the crime on the planet takes place not because people have plenty and they just decide to be evil. It's because they have very little and need to survive. And it starts to become uh, my survival will come at the cost of yours if it comes to that. And so that's when you start to play into our darker aspects. So I believe humans have that, but it's not in our nature to be evil. It's not in our nature to be that way. But when it's constantly reinforced, and then we start to get programmed into that, conditioned into that from a very young age. I mean, they say that children who are nine or 10 have seen thousands of murders um, through movies and TV shows and stuff by the time you know, they reach that age. And I think it's, it's quite alarming. And then it, you know, if you look at movies, the villain is always rich, right? How often do you see a rich hero and broke villain? Not often. It's usually the, the evil fat cat aristocrat, you know, or, or the, the tech billionaire in a lair with all their henchmen and gadgets. And so we're constantly taught that it's evil and uh, the ones who have a lot of wealth are evil. And so we, we conflate poverty with piety. We think that the more we can relinquish our own inherent right to abundance, the closer we will be to our divine nature, the more that we'll be welcomed by the pearly gates of heaven. And it keeps people in poverty and keeps people self-sabotaging themselves out of money. And I believe that money is just an energy and money just is better options. It's creative energy. If you want to build a school, you're going to need a lot of creative energy to do that with. If you want to create new systems, you're going to need money to do that with. And so we've been programmed out of our prosperity. And so these are some of the things that I believe are like fundamental issues these days, is if we can just realize that money is not evil or good. It's simply a tool and it's about the, the hand that wields it. You can use a hammer to help build a house or you can bash someone's skull in. It's not the hammer's fault, right? The hammer is simply responding to the hand that's holding it. And money is the same. And we need to put more good money into more good hands to shepherd this planet in a way that truly is sustainable, in a way that champions nature, in a way that treats natural resources as natural assets. Because how do we deal with resources? We deplete them, we exhaust them, we, we use them, we abuse them. That's what we do with resources. And assets are things to be appreciated, to be invested in. And yet we call the workforce these days human resources. That's why people are feeling exhausted and depleted and abused. They're being treated in that same value set. So when we start to shift the language around that, we start to shift the values around that, we can move society in a different direction. Yeah, very, very well said. I love that comparison. Um, it does seem like people are more resources than assets, right? And it's controlled, controlling them around just that they they play just a small little function, but they're not really like part of something greater. Um, so Tarek, I want to ask you one, uh, one question left here before we wrap up, just to give people, um, give them a little bit of uh, your viewpoints on where you think that um, we're going, not in terms of AI. But where is this what this whole shift, you know, this shift of, of, of consciousness, the hundredth monkey, 
the the current template that exists here you know what do you see happening in in the future we're moving towards a new age uh, of aquarius that's been talked about and prophesied for a long time uh, I firmly believe, based on everything I've studied, that different ages have different polarities to them and different energetic values. Uh, so what do you see? Of, do, are we going into the golden age where we finally wake up and we change as, as a society and realize non-materialistic things are more important and start enhancing people and we reach this completely different state? Now, like, where is, start small, like in the right now, like start in the next 10 years, but but ultimately, I'd like you to expand on and, and, and end by, you know, where are we going way beyond that? You know, what are we and what are we going to become? I know that's a loaded question, but. Yeah, that's that's an exciting question. I think if I was to just kind of play this out in my mind like a like a simulated event, I would say that initially there's going to be a bifurcation, which means uh splitting of society and you're going to have many many people who are so loyal to the control systems that have held them indentured for so long that they cling on to them and ironically i see that kind of like crumbling clay the, the the harder you grasp the more it crumbles and so a lot of people who experience the hardships are the ones who are going to believe in that control system as being their savior and i feel like those people are the ones who are in for the rudest awakening of all yeah um and ultimately it's each of our own path to make our own choice that feels right for us right i'm not here to tell anybody what choice to make i i just encourage people to tune in to listen to their guidance within and to think for themselves because our thoughts are being hijacked all the time and if you really just like you said you know go out in nature just sit by yourself and just empty yourself right we're we're, we're talking about mindfulness. It's like, no, mindfulness is, is part of the issue. What we need is mindlessness. We need mind emptiness. And if we can just become these open conduits, these vessels, we'll probably find that the insights and the, the answers start to come through. So I feel like to begin with, there's going to be this bifurcation where those who are standing up in the face of all of the control mechanisms are going to be seen as the outliers, are going to be seen as those... Uh, ostracized lepers, right? But as more and more people start to increasingly awaken, as the control systems become more strict, even those who are cynical yeah. or conservative in their views will start to go, hang on a minute, this is getting a little bit too crazy, even for my sensibilities. Yeah. And they will start to go in with these early adopters, right? Until it becomes the you know, in, in the same way that a trend is set, you have the, the the mavericks, then you have the early adopters, and then you have the early majority, and then you have the laggards, like that's going to increase. And what I see is as the the energy on the planet shifts from fear and anger, I mean, a lot of people are in fear and anger, anger being 150 hertz on the spectrum, fear being 100 hertz on the spectrum. And the thing is, the lower the hertz, the more it hurts. And so we're being conditioned into guilt and shame, which is really right there at the, at the bottom, right? Shame is 20, guilt is 30. And if we're living in guilt and shame, we can't manifest on a level of love or above, which is 528 hertz or above. We're going to be manifesting on the level of guilt and shame. And that's why people's lives are a shambles because they're manifesting from this low, dense vibration. 
And the more we step out of that fear and anger, and the more other people start stepping out of that fear and anger, and we go from feardom to freedom, it's going to be like a rising tide lifting all boats, right? We're going to become a tuning fork for other people around to start resonating on a similar frequency. It's going to be like a lighthouse that calls all the ships to harbor. And the more people start becoming those lighthouses, the more ships dock in the harbor, they start igniting their own light. And in the same way that you can take one candle into a dark room and dispel the darkness, right? Light is exponential. You only need one moon to light up the sky. Yet dark functions on a ratio of one to one. You need a lot of darkness to make things dark. Whereas you only need a little bit of light to make things light. And so ultimately, I feel the critical mass has already happened. It's already taken place. Look at, you know, it's not televised, right? The revolution will not be televised. But look at how many people are flooding the streets all around the world. There's a lot of people who are energetically saying no. We do not want these control mechanisms. We do not believe that this is the way for, for humanity. And so I believe that that tide is shifting rapidly. And that's why the control, which was this kind of like stealthy tiptoe that no one was realizing, has suddenly become a full-on sprint. And everyone can now, or most people, can start to see it for what it is. And so I feel the future is very, very bright. I, I truly do. And I believe we weren't put on this planet. You know, we, we didn't like as soul somewhere, like look at a brochure and go, ooh, I'll take the dystopian deluxe package. Thank you, yeah. right? We're, we're, we're here yeah. to awaken humanity from Homo sapiens, which is this upright ape, to Homo illuminus, Homo deus, right? Gods and goddesses manifest in human form in touch with our divinity, with our celestial ability to be creators in this world, to manifest the new, to create heaven on earth. That's what I feel we're all moving to. But I'm in no illusions that there aren't going to be some challenges, difficulties, growing pains, things to be shed, old baggage to be taken off along the way. So what I say is hold the light, hold the line. We are moving into a great new dawn. Though, like you said, you know, the dusk is always darkest before the dawn. And that's what we're currently experiencing. But if you truly align with who and what you are, irrespective of what the world tries to project onto you, you'll find that a lot of the people around you might be floating downstream and you see them bashing against the rocks, but it will be like you are in a slipstream and you're kind of dodging all the rocks and you're just somehow held right now. And the current has you and you're just flowing and things are coming in effortlessly. And I know more and more people that that's happening to when you truly choose to embody the new paradigm, when you move away from the old world and start to step into what we call the new earth. Yeah, that was beautifully said. I really love that. And it's so the most um, the most important thing, the takeaway from that you were saying just in, in terms of people worrying or wondering about the future is that you said we've already achieved. We've already achieved that hundredth monkey of that certain threshold of those that are becoming conscious here. And so that it can't go back. Like we can't go the other way, right? We can't go into a time when humans go back to sleep again, right? It's the fourth matrix movie. Isn't going to happen where they all, Oh, remember that like time when we we're all awake and we decided to go back. That, that can't happen. Right. Um, and so I want to, I want to ask you one last question before I let you go. And this is going to be, like I said, this is one year you're, you're going to have to push yourself a little bit on. Um, but I would just love your opinion on everything you know about human design, human potential, the ability for us to create using our mind, 
and just have us connect to others and have this, um, when minds come together, like you and I right now, or even in, in a larger collective way, it definitely creates like a synergy of creating energy that is completely outside any, any other animal or anything we know of on the, in this world, right? It's something we are unique. And I think that that's hard to not argue, especially when you read ancient texts. So just give your opinion, just purely based on your opinion, where, where is the human story going? If, you know, and I think we are all, we all understand that we're not going to be destroyed from a cyclical cataclysm. We're going to make it like, we can all agree that that's going to happen. So where are we going? You know, what, what is humanity going to be like a thousand years from now? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Depends what we do now. Depends what we do now. <laughs> Depends what we do now. Depends what we choose now. There might be a number of different realities all working in tandem, all superimposed on top of one another. You know, like we're, we all share a planet, but we're living in different worlds. For the person next to you, they might believe relationships are pain and it's very hard to find love. Meanwhile, the person next to them feels they're always supported and the right partner will always come into their life and they will experience that manifest because your beliefs are always proved true through your subconscious mind. And so I feel like many people could be living in that, um, I don't even want to say a duality because it's more like a triality or a quadrality where people are, are living in very different realities. I mean, I feel like that today. I feel like sometimes I walk around and there's people who are literally living in fear and, and illness as their worldview. And I'm walking around in like health and nature and I believe it's a choice. So a thousand years from now, it really depends on how things go with AI. It really depends on how fast all of these uh, galactic codes and awakening processes happen in humanity. There's so many factors at play. It's such a complex uh, experience. However, one thing is for certain, we live in very exciting times and times with huge potential, like never has there been, at least in, in our known history, right? I mean, who knows about other times that uh, humanity has reached a level of supreme awakening before wiping itself out in the, in the eons gone by. But at least in like, you know, the last few hundred years, We've never reached a point where we have this much technical prowess combined with this much conscious awakening and compassion. And so I think that's a, that's a potent mix. And I'm excited to see what kind of chemical reactions come off of that on a cellular and cellular level. Yeah, well said. I agree. Um, the, the potential is just infinite, though, in terms of our abilities to create, our abilities to reach higher states of energy, coupled with like you said, having technologies that can enhance so many other aspects of this physical world and then the non-physical world coming together to create this super organism of progression and, and growth. Um, I think it's incredibly exciting. And that's the message I really just want to get across to people is own who you are, be proud of who you are. You know, if you follow that challenging path along the way, that's made you feel alone, but you've held yourself and you didn't ever corrupt your own self. Cheers to that, to all those people who have done that. And then here we are now at a time when, like you said, 
there's such a fracturing of reality where there's a huge portion of the population that just feels like this is the end and it's just this is the worst time in humanity of all and we're going into this black hole and then there's so many others like, like you and i that are talking about like no no this is the opposite this is the this is truly the darkness before the dawn this is the very end of empires dying when new ideas come to light and emerge and sprout and metamorphosize into higher states and higher frequencies and we are guiding that to make sure that that happens. And so I want people to help as much as they can by, you know, live that epic life, go down that difficult path, go follow your passions and your dreams, try to not be lost in the illusion of what you should be doing and find out what mm. you should, you want to be doing based on your own internal self. Like you mentioned, I want to be me, right? I don't want to be someone else. I want to be me. So I encourage people really just follow that path. And I, and I really do appreciate everyone that has dedicated so much of their time to this because we're all part playing part of a great story. We're all playing different roles in this. And I think it's something to look back at and be proud of. And so I just want to say um, cheers to all those people who are following that path and staying positive and true and sending good vibes. Cause I know Tarek, you're one of those people and you provide such um, great wisdom and such guidance to so many out there. And I just want to say, I really appreciate your dedication to that path. Um, and uh, so thank you so much for that. And before I, before I let you go, why don't you go ahead and just tell everybody um, where they can find you and just a little bit about some of the avenues that if they wanted to get in touch with you or work with you or whatever that you maybe want to provide. Sure. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for, for having me and having this discussion. It's been one of the, the more fascinating branching discussions and conversations I've had in a while. And I mean, I feel like it could go on for three hours or four hours. There's so much to say and there's so many angles to come at this from, right? Um, but I'm, I'm very happy with what was discussed here today. And I, I truly, my encouragement, my intention is for anybody listening or watching to receive the keys, the insights, the confirmations, the validations that you've needed to walk more of your own path. Because your calling was not a conference call, right? It's meant for you. You are here to figure out what your calling is. And nobody can tell you what your calling is but you. And sometimes the greatest gifts can come wrapped in broken glass or sandpaper and they might cut you to hold on to them. But what's contained inside makes it all worthwhile. And so I encourage you to awaken more of your own gifts and do what makes you happy. Because as you come into happiness, as you come into love or above, right, a frequency of 528 hertz or greater, you start to lift the people around you. People start to become happier just by being in your vortex, by being in your vicinity, by being your environment when you walk into a room you can light people up and that's the power it's like don't think that it's selfish to become happy your happiness is one of the greatest acts of service you can give to humanity because you functioning from a fulfilled happy place will do more good than you can ever do from a place of poverty and fear so i encourage you to step into that abundance to really step into your your right to wealth, your right to happiness, to joy, and really live from that place and be that tuning fork for other people, be that beacon in the night that guides other ships home. Um, where people can reach me these days, the best place to reach me is probably Facebook, Tariq EQ Amawi. I currently show people how to build online courses out of their passions and skills, because I feel like, again, this is a, a transition 
right, to move from the, the old working model to uh, being an entrepreneur, but there's been a lot of challenges with that, especially over the years to learn how to do that properly. So I guide people on that. And also, if there are stuck professionals out there who feel like you want to come into rapid alignment with your soul path, you want to experience the stuff that uh, myself and Matthew have been discussing, then I have a soul path manifestation course to guide you rapidly. Like you'll come in as one version of yourself, you'll come out of it as another version of yourself. And that can be combined with um, direct coaching as well. I think I have one or two places left at the moment, but that's, yeah, that's how I can serve. If that resonates with you, feel free to reach out to me and, uh, we can talk about it. Thank you so much, Tarek, for sitting down and having this discussion with me. I, I really, truly enjoyed it as well. And thank you everyone else who's listening to this.